podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Red Bull take the Constructors' Championship with six rounds to go. Two Aussies in the grid for 2024, but not a Kiwi. Or maybe that'll all change after Abu Dhabi. Max Verstappen is back to winning form, and there's plenty of action in the mid-pack. G'day, I'm James Baldwin. Welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Japanese Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. Hello, how are you? Yes, doing very well, thank you. And Freya, hello, mate. I'm whelmed. You're whelmed. Yep. Didn't even ask you how you were. No. <laughs> so just it's my new greeting. Push it all together. It's the theme I'm of the whelmed. whole weekend. Whelming. Just under or over? No. Nah, in the middle. Whelmed. Whelmed. <laughs> Uh, plenty of random news to get us started. Uh, let's start with that before we dive into the Japanese Grand Prix weekend. Uh, good news, Thomas J. Camp. Danny Rick announced for Alpha Tauri for, or Hugo Boss or whatever it's going to be, for 2024 alongside Yuki Sonoda and Liam Lawson as reserve. What do you think? Uh, I think it's very smart by the Red Bull organisation to... Um Sign Danny Rick on the line for next year, and uh, and I think they signed Lawson so that they've got him. They they don't lose him like McLaren and Oscar Piastri. So it would not surprise me that come the last race weekend of the year, Sergio Perez loses his job for his shit form for about fifteen races in a row, and Danny Rick gets promoted. That is one hundred thousand percent. Yeah, gonna happen. I think. That is the tinfoil beanie no, thought process. That it's you not and I the tinfoil. It's not. It's going to happen, Jim. The decision's already made. There is not <laughs> oh, okay. a chance that Sergio Perez goes stays in that team next year. No way. Yeah, Freya. I did say to Camp yesterday and into the Discord that my thought was they're securing Liam to properly announce him for AlphaTauri for next season once Abu Dhabi is done and dusted, and they can drop Perez, promote Danny Rick. Red Bull do love a seat swap post the final round of the season. Well, and to be honest, actually at any point in the season, let's be fair. Uh, but how do you see this from an Australian point of view? Oh, it's great. Like having two Australians there and then potentially bringing in a Kiwi as well. They're, you know, one of us. It's fine. We'll, you can, and then <laughs> you contribute to BB. He's why basically one of us. us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then you bring in BB. He's one of us too. And we're basically taking over the grid. I think it's awesome. I, I, I'm not as confident as Campy is that it's going to be a start of the season switch. I think they're going to give Sergio a bit of an ultimatum for the first half of next year. And if by middle, if by the summer break next year, he hasn't put himself right behind Max every single qualifying and race, then he goes out, DR goes up and Liam Lawson comes into AlphaTauri. I think that's the end point. It's just a matter of when it happens. Yeah, I'm not sure necessarily Sergio would want that. He certainly has started talking in the last couple of weeks about him maybe not driving for next year. The The only seat that's open now for next season is Logan Sargent's seat at Williams. Um, there is some kind of conversation at the moment about Mick Schumacher filling that role. 
Uh, of course, with that Mercedes partnership and James Vowles, of course, now being the team principal, the relationship with Toto Wolf, and of course, the Schumacher family. So it would be interesting, but I would suggest, I think, that Sergio Perez would much rather get it done now and have a full season with Williams next year rather than being cast out into the cold, I suppose, even to be a third driver because he's not going to go to AlphaTauri. Uh, he's not a Red Bull driver. So in the same way that Nick DeVries was dropped uh, with very little care about what was next for him, I think the same thing would happen for Sergio Perez. Um, but Campy, interested in in Yuki, the decision for Yuki more specifically, obviously it's happened here at the Japanese Grand Prix making Honda very happy. Do you still think that he deserved that seat necessarily? Uh, yeah, well, he did, considering, I mean, the Nick DeVries, he clearly had the better of the two of them. Um, I, he had a good couple of races against Danny Rick. It's been hard. We spoke about last week how it's been hard to judge him against Lawson. Um, they had a great battle for the first couple of laps last night. He clearly had pace on Lawson, but Lawson just positioned the car in, in the in the perfect position, particularly in those first three laps. Oh, I am surprised, but that I'm not at the same time. I'm surprised because uh, I think there's better options out there, but I'm not surprised because he's Japanese and Honda is, you know, and the political relationship between Red Bull and Honda. They want a Japanese guy in there. So I can understand Red Bull's thinking. They don't want to rock the boat. And he's, you know, they want some consistency going into next year too. So, yeah, I am surprised, but I'm not. Freya, Oscar Piastri also announced his extension to the McLaren contract till 2026. So there will be at least two Aussies for next year, probably beyond that, as we were just speaking about. It, it is amazing to me the change that has happened for that McLaren car from the beginning of the year for him now to be able to get a podium, his first podium in Suzuka, a track that he's never driven before. Uh, absolute no-brainer for McLaren to lock him in. Yeah, of course, because I think as soon as he starts showing what he can do when he's got the car underneath him and in his first season as well, like it, that's that's the astounding thing is that I know we kind of talk about him as this incredible talent and that's true but it's always been a bit of a kind of we don't really know until we know right we needed to see him on track and now he is delivering and I think every other team your Ferraris your Red Bulls they're going to have their eye on him um, and let him kind of get the training wheels off I suppose at McLaren this year and next so I think it's very smart of them um, to to lock him in for for that long and I just hope that in 2024 we start seeing a more even playing field um, and, you know, there's going to be some between the drivers at, at Red Bull in terms of preferential strategy and that type of thing. We, I'm kind of giving them this year benefit of the doubt to, you know, allow their experienced driver some, you know, advantages perhaps in certain circumstances where it makes sense. But as of next year, it needs to be both of you are out to race to win. The other thing that was interesting for the Japanese Grand Prix is Seb Vettel's B Hotel. Uh, Some fantastic content there. And later on for our F1 Fantasy League competition, some B names in there as well. We'll wait for that in a little bit. All right, let's go now to our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. And unusually for me, it comes from Ross, which is unsurprising. The strike rate is significant. Um, He says, I can't wait for Yuki and Danny to do carpal karaoke in brackets. I'm sorry. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> you should be, but you shouldn't be at the same time. Um, yeah, metacarpal still being, uh, well, searched a lot, I imagine. Uh, Daniel Rick will be back by all accounts for Qatar in two weeks' time, which is good news. Um, but it was, I don't mind if Liam Lawson was to get another couple of rounds under his belt, especially now that DR has been announced for AlphaTauri for next year. Uh, let's go to our Discord Legends of the Week. Freya, who caught your eye in the Discord? Well, unsurprisingly, it was the same person as you actually, James. But <laughs> this was um, we've just got a couple of very high performers, okay? We've got a couple of people who are just very witty, regular contributors, and so I don't care if our bias is towards those uh, participants of our Discord. Um, but this was in the context of Red Bull putting Perez back out onto the track um, in order to make sure they serve the penalty here where they didn't really, there was no damage um, rather than having it carry over to the next race. So Ross, when discussing this, said it's to make sure that the only penalty that Perez has going into Qatar is being Sergio Perez. (laughs) 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 That is Uh, a penalty that's hard to wear and also not one you can get rid of. So good, all the best, Checo. (laughs) That is very, very good. Uh, Campy, who caught your attention? Oh, good old Tina G. What a superstar. Uh, post, <laughs> post race in the, um, in the ceremony of giving, uh, the trophies out. When you kiss the trophies, it's supposedly figured out who you are somehow and then lit the, um, lit the colors of your <laughs> so the flag on the, anyway, very weird. So Tina G. She put a photo up on Discord and it was uh, Doc Johnson's White Knights and it very much looks like a, uh, well, I'll let you lose your, use your imagination and get on there, but it was very, very funny. It's a sex toy. That <laughs> 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 looked like the trophy. Very good. I'll let you use your imagination. Here what it is. Sh- it's actually what, what it is. <laughs> what a shame for Oscar Piastri that his first trophy looks like an air purifier <laughs> or like just a really unsubtle speaker that you put in the corner. Honestly, he's going to put that up in the trophy cabinet at the MTC and people are going to look at it and be like, oh, is that to make sure that the humidity is at the right level and the, the trophies don't get affected by it? Honestly, it's, I, I'm all for innovation, but this was just weird. <laughs> Uh, mine goes to uh, where to find Mel. Uh, we had uh, Stepping Tiger screenshotting the McLaren app where you get to read all of the radio messages backwards and forwards. Um, and uh, Lando, or the people all said to Lando, look after the tyres, Lando. We don't have to do it all now. Lando comes back saying, I'm not. And where to find Mel says, you can hear that message. <laughs> yeah. You can hear That's it. so true. So true. <laughs> Tommy T's television broadcast review. Not a bad broadcast this weekend by the Sky F1 team, has to be said, although not the best. <laughs> I think the standard is getting lower and lower each year for this outfit. Uh, Campy, let's talk about the anthem. Oh, jeez. That, uh, very patriotic, that that Japanese one was. Shedding a tear at the end of it. It was heartwarming. It was very good. Impressed. Mm. The anthem itself, though, do you want to talk about that? Oh, look, <laughs> look, it's an underwhelming anthem, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit too nice for me. It doesn't reek of uh, a bit commie, too nice. Doesn't reek of commie vibes like we're angry and going to invade the world. <laughs> and it's uh, it's not Gert Boss E like ours. It's somewhere <laughs> in the middle. So. 
This is why listeners come. It's also not Christmas, and you can't beat Christmas, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Christmas yeah. copying the Dutch anthem. They uh, that, that's because it's been around for so long, apparently, according to every uh, every Dutch person on our YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <comments. laughs> the argument I did not know I was starting, but that's fine. Yeah. How how dare you? But also, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I loved it. I mean, quite beautiful precision, no messing about. Um, yes, yeah, very patriotic. Great salute. There was uh, a bit of a fly, dis- uh, like a display, rather than the fly pass. So a beautiful. Um, the formation of the aircraft spreading out, that looks really great. If you haven't seen that, go back and try and find it. It looks really cool. Um, Freya, how did you find overall the broadcast and the commentary this weekend? Uh, I think the commentary is, it's just starting to get a bit tired and I mean that with the greatest respect possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I'm so craving a different voice, some different opinions and not the same, oh, busier than the M25 on every <laughs> single broadcast. <laughs> like I just, I, I want to hear a different voice. And I'm ready for it. And so it's not so much that this was a terrible commentary and that type of thing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tired of it and I want to get a different perspective and I'm also sick of things like the BBC. This has got nothing to do with the broadcast, but the BBC headline after qualifying that Max Verstappen gets pole, Norris in third. Just me? There's a number missing? Uh, yeah, okay, all right. Just the blatant um, kind of ignoring of half the people on track who are not Brits and I know we talk about this every week but it's because we're tired of it. So I had a bit of a tricky, tricky viewing experience. Qualifying was at 1am here, the race was at midnight and I've oh, just moved dear. house. Oh, shut up. I, oh, <laughs> no, came so, so sad for you. Oh, well, oh, yeah, I know. Tiny violins, dear. get them out. Um, <laughs> I, we don't have cable here though and the F1 app doesn't like this region and obviously it's midnight so our smokehouse is closed. So I was watching it like on a dodgy link on my phone and so it was just a, a challenging time trying to make any sense of it um, as well as being half asleep. So uh, this is potentially being, my my rating is potentially being affected by fatigue but it is what it is. What would you give the rating of the broadcast out of 10? Ah, uh, five. Meh. Campy, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, oh, six. Is it okay to want Uncle Johnny Herbert six, back on my uh, TV too or, or is that not okay? No, no, it is absolutely not. <laughs> it is not okay. It's just, but do you know what? The theme of the weekend continues onto the broadcast. I'm whelmed. Whelmed. I think one of the things that's very interesting is you can, you can tell that uh, Martin and Crofty have a really good sync about them when they're talking, when they're not. Ant tried to say so many things over the broadcast this weekend in a timely manner that Crofty was either trying to finish a point that was irrelevant or whatever else and just kept talking over the top of him. So it also felt very choppy this weekend and a lack of synergy to use a marketing word. Yeah, for sure. Although what probably boosted it in my mind from a four to a five Bernie Collins, Bernie, yes. the good one, star. bringing the facts, an absolutely star performer. Oh, my goodness, what a legend, being able to clarify these things that are so vague, even to people who are super experienced within the sport and just making really valuable contributions. That's one of the best decisions that Sky have made in the last year is yes. bringing her on board. Yep. 
Yeah, completely agree. But also, uh, every time that her name would appear, and like this is the voice of Bernie Collins, a different former title, a yeah. performance <laughs> engineer at McLaren, head of race strategy, yeah. Aston Martin, is like yeah. just all round legend and knows what she's yeah. talking about. Should be the next one. Uh, yeah. Really, really good. Um, uh, we had a man in Japan this weekend in the form of Michael Laminato, which was very exciting. Uh, halfway through the broadcast, I messaged him and said, Michael Laminato, can you please ask the bosses at Fox how much they pay for the Sky F1 feed? Surely we can do it cheaper and much better. I don't care about the driver from King's Bin anymore. Um, also, thank you, Ross, for that. He very much enjoyed it and he will look into it. Um, could you imagine Campy with a set of headphones on like Ted doing Campy's notebook at the end of the Grand Prix? Um, I actually watched money. a bit of Ted's uh, notebook this weekend because it was a reasonable time and I kept, kept watching the broadcast just to see what it was like at the end of the Grand Prix. Um, it's actually interesting, to be honest. Sometimes he's unhinged, but sometimes it's very, very good. Uh, okay, let's talk about our predictions ahead of <laughs> this weekend. Um, Campy, your front row was Verstappen and Piastri. To have Come a gold on. star, Prophet, have Come it. On. Take it all. Yep. Podium, yep. however, was pretty close. <laughs> Verstappen, Piastri and Sainz, fair enough. Carlos, we thought, was going to have a bit more momentum coming out of Singapore. And 10th, Lawson, very close. He was 11th. Freya, your front row was Verstappen and Leclerc. Not quite as close mm. as Campy. And your podium was Verstappen, Norris. Yes, okay, so we got that right. And then, unfortunately, put Russell. Um, 10th, oh. VB. That was just to you piss gotta, you off. <laughs> you got to stop doing that because every time you do that in DNFs. <laughs> I know. It's like Unbelievable tenth, scenes. tenth might as well just be who do you think is not going to finish at this point. Um, and as you quite rightly said, Campy had much more uh, confidence in the Southern Hemisphere than I did for this weekend. I said Verstappen and Norris for the front row. Um, Verstappen signs and Norris at the podium and 10th, Sonoda. So, uh, Campy, congratulations. You get the F1 profit status uh, back for this week ahead of Qatar. We'll see what happens uh, for the next couple of rounds, though. <laughs> All right, let's go through our team-by-team team analysis. <laughs> Start at the very back of the pack. Why finish it all when you're Williams? Campy, uh, Sergeant didn't even qualify. It was non-classified, and then he didn't finish the race. Albon qualified 13th, didn't finish the race, had massive contact in the start. Um, where the pack squeezed themselves the left-hand side of the racetrack. Yep. Uh, but Williams seems to have fallen back a little bit. The final straw for me with uh, their American friend, done. The way he took out Bottas yesterday, that is just, that is absolutely disgusting. I, I, I cannot even fathom as a driver doing what he did. Bottas <laughs> left so much room on the outside. <laughs> This idiot to not even turn, didn't even turn left and take Bottas out. That's the final straw for me. He's done. And after what he did yesterday, the car must be frustrating to work in that garage. Uh, Albon, well, Albon's he's come off post-Monza. I mean, he hasn't had a great run of it, and that's because the car's not that great. We know the car's very slippery on uh, on on tracks with long straights. And, and that's where it gains all its ground. But these you know, fast-paced corners, low, you know, low downforce, they just struggle a bit. So uh, I think he did well to qualify where he did. Unfortunate when you're racing that far back in the pack off the start, that's when bound you're bound to have contact and things happen to your car. I'm not actually sure why he retired. I remember saying to you yesterday, Jim, when we were watching it, uh, what happened? Why did he retire? I'm not too sure why. But, yeah, unfortunate for Williams. But, hey, they've they've been good this year. 
Yeah, I can only imagine lots of damage because he had a he took a bit of a flight, didn't he, going into turn one. Uh, Freya, it is becoming harder to imagine Logan Sargent in the sport for next year. I th- I actually really like Logan. I think he's he's a great person. By all accounts, he's quick enough to to be in the car. He was pretty quick in F3 uh, against Oscar Piastri. Of course, not as quick, but pretty quick. Um, and F2, not as quick either. But with someone like Mick Schumacher in the wings, potentially Sergio Perez, looking at many other drivers who are also, you know, Felipe Drogovic have turned down um, Indy, I think, Indy Lights or Indy full-time seat to stay with potentially a shot at Formula One. So he might know something that uh, we don't. He's currently the Aston Martin reserve driver. So it'd be interesting to see where that seat goes. But if you're Logan Sargent, I don't think you'd be feeling very confident. Well, yeah, and I don't know that he, like that kind of, I suppose, premise of going, you know, he's obviously quick enough to be in the car. I don't necessarily agree with that. And we were talking about this um, last week on the Fan Behaviour podcast, again, talking about American perspective and that type of thing. And like there's four, like three or four people, I think, who are faster than him. And Felipe Dragovic is one of them. Mick Schumacher is probably another one, although he hasn't necessarily had the most stable start either to, to Formula One. Um, but I think potentially will have really benefited from his time with Mercedes so that hopefully he can work out some of those things that he just kept not quite getting right at Haas. Um, so perhaps that time will have helped him to evolve. But the thing which got me about Sargent this weekend was actually his reaction to that incident with Valtteri where, yes, he accepted full kind of fault for it, but his response was more that, oh, you know, I locked up my brakes and Valtteri probably should have gone on the inside. Oh. I was like, no, he was already on an overtake <laughs> He's already on the outside of you and then you locked up your brakes. You can't be like, oh, don't worry, I'll just indicate and pop over to the left, shall I? That's not how this works. I was I was quite surprised by that and I think there's an element of, you know, just try, not necessarily shirk the blame as much as just trying to downplay it, if anything else, to say that perhaps that damage could have been avoided if Valtteri's reaction time is going being quicker. But when you look at the replays, he was well and truly on his way on around the outside. It's... um. It is, like you said, though, James, very hard to see him on the grid next year, especially with who's who's waiting in the wings. Yeah, I think uh, we'll probably won't hear anything until Abu Dhabi again. Only six rounds to go now, so we might as well go full send to the end of the season and then see what happens. Uh, let's talk about Haas now. Nico Hulkenberg qualified in 18th, finished 14th. K-Mag qualified in 15th, finished 15th, which was also last uh, Campy again. This, this car and these tires just—it's sure. Surely they've just given up on this year and focused totally on next season. Yeah, look, I—I I didn't see them on the broadcast once this weekend. I don't think, other than the other than the start when they're assessing the incident on the first lap. So they're making up numbers this weekend, aren't they? That's really all they did. Good for them to finish. On paper, it looks better than probably the results they got. Yeah, yeah. look, anyway, I don't know what to say. What do we say? Ferrari wasn't as good or quick this weekend, therefore they were not going to be very good. Um, both got out of Q1, so good on them. Well, no, Hulk didn't. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. I really don't. I think they've got upgrades coming in Austin, so maybe they'll finish the season on a little bit of a high, you know, not right at the back basically. So that could give them a little bit of something to keep their chin up for. But I feel for K-Mag, he was pretty annoyed about that Checo incident. That completely ruined his race. Like it was too early and they didn't want to do a three-stop 
And so that basically put him out of the runnings. And that was always going to be a struggle of a track for them because of their tyre deg and how much that affects, you know, racing here. But I would have been annoyed if I was K-Mag. You know, he had a reasonable, not amazing, but a reasonable pace. And just to have it kind of taken apart so early on and something that's out of your control and obviously the nature of the incident as well, like, Piss off, Checo. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dumb that Checo. was just sloppy driving. Sloppy. I think. I mean, the car, the car, obviously faster. That rebel much faster than the Haas all the way around. But he was impatient. It just seemed, and he just absolutely lost it. Um, yeah, and unfair for K-Mag because it, yeah, okay, get your five second penalty or whatever. But when you don't even finish the race and you punt out somebody else, it's hard in penalties like that. I I get it, but. Doesn't feel fair. Let's talk about other not fair situations. Campy's already mentioned it. Bottas DNFing. He qualified 16th. Joe qualified at 19th, finished 13th. Alfa Romeo just, this this Sauber team is, I have so much hope for, for 2026, but it just feels so far away, Campy, doesn't it? It does. It does. The best thing I can do is keep a hold of Bottas for as long as possible. Um, yeah, look, unlucky weekend. Again, they're just making up the numbers in the rear of the field. I don't think they ever looked like getting out of Q2. Uh, you know, they definitely asserted themselves well at the back of the pack and uh, race pace isn't there and, jeez, I mean, the incidents for them off the start and then what happened to Valtteri too, both of them had problems off the start. Um, and I kind of understand that at times when – Got 20 cars racing, you know, three wide into turn one. It happens. But uh, the Bottas incident, it's just uh, – yeah, it's unfortunate. And But what does it do for the team's morale? How do you – I mean, these guys are mm. – I, I don't know how you keep fighting on, especially in a season where we've got 23 races, 22 without China. So, I mean, it must be tough this back end of the, of the year. You're, you're so locked into a rhythm in what's happening. And you're probably looking forward to 2026, but that's still two whole seasons away plus this one to get up and do your job every day and perform well. And these things happen on track must be super frustrating. Yeah, Freya, James Key's first weekend with the team. He's got a big mountain to climb to get this car sorted out for next season. In the same way that Haas probably looking towards next year, I imagine now from Mayo now, with the signing of Joe alongside Valtteri confirmed, are looking ahead to next year. But Camby raises a really interesting point. How do teams get themselves there week in, week out? And especially for Valtteri, who is used to being at the front of the pack, even his time in Williams, at the beginning of these uh, turbo hybrid regulations, he was still fighting for podiums uh, and qualifying really, really well. It must be super hard for him to maintain the rage, so to speak, going into race weekends. Yeah. Look, I think as a team, when you start facing this type of situation, there's two things that you really need to focus on. One is process and the other one is, well, I'll come to it in a minute, but the first one is just looking at those process processes in terms of going, okay, let's just get our starts right. Let's make sure we nail our starts every time. Let's not think about where we've come in the race and somebody else will be looking at strategy, sure, but let's get our starts right. And then looking at the next stage, going back to the process and within that kind of comes the second part, which is setting your own goals, right? So their goals are sometimes going to be taken out of their hands. Again, thank you to other drivers wanting you off the track, Um, but having your own goals so that you have something to celebrate because otherwise you are literally just up a creek looking for something to keep you going and absolutely no paddle to get you there. So looking at their process, 
making sure they're focusing on, on those rather than results. Because the thing is like when you come comes to sport and you see it's a lot, people focus on the outcomes and they forget about the process that it's going to be required to get them there. And then they get sad when they don't get their results. And that's when motivation really, really drops. So focusing on their processes, setting their own goals so that they have something to celebrate to make sure they got those right. Now, on that note, both of those drivers actually had pretty good starts um, this weekend. But then, as you said, VB kind of got squeezed. Um, and then Joe behind him ended up with half of somebody else's car in his front wing. So obviously his race is going to be massively compromised from there, but they had some encouraging things happening um, as well. And I think you've just got to really got to hold on to those and set your own internal goals and try not to focus too much on what else is going on around you. Alpha Tauri, Liam Lawson and Yuki Sonoda. For the first time, we get to see race pace Lawson versus Sonoda. Lawson qualified in 11th, finished in 11th. Yuki qualified in 9th, finished in 12th. Campy, we were getting all very excited watching that first lap battle between these two Alpha Tauris before the safety car was called and you shouted at the safety car for why it was being <laughs> called. <laughs> no surprises to anyone there. Ugh. But this, this race pace by Lawson, really, really impressive, but also him just holding his nerve against Sonoda who has you know more experience in a Formula One car, maybe not necessarily more experience recently around Suzuki. Well, in fact, not more recent Suzuki experience. He has that with Super Formula. He's a great driver, Liam Lawson. He really is just absolutely shining through at the moment. Yeah, look, he definitely got the elbows out. You know, that's first first lap in a bit. Um, I, I dare say, we all knew we all knew that he was defending. I dare say he could have been a bit more subtle about it. It wasn't the cleanest of defending <laughs> that I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, but I think I think I th- I, nothing happened. They didn't make contact. And there was no crashes done. So I think if there had been contact made, stewards may have been handed down a very lenient punishment on him if something had happened. But it didn't. So that's good. Um, yeah, I was excited to see it. I like the fact that he's getting his arms out and he's fighting. It's great entertainment for us watching at home. But it's Alpha Terry. Do I really care if Danny Rick's in that seat? Oh. Not really, but he's shown enough in his Lawson has shown enough in these three races for a drive next year, I think. So or a very serious consideration for another team if that's the only spot open. So yeah, good to see. It's exciting for the two laps that we got. Then we didn't see them on the broadcast for the rest of the weekend. Freya, he was uh he was putting some moves on even with the Mercedes following when George Russell and Lewis Hamilton were having their scrap. Lawson was there ready to pick up the pieces, you know, sticking the DRS and right behind. The car placement from him and his wheel knowledge, I suppose, is really, really fantastic. Yeah, it was funny because Yuki was a bit annoyed afterwards that they didn't swap them around again on that final lap because Yuki got Lawson in their first pit stops undercutting him and then Lawson returned the favour later on. And then I think Yuki almost felt like he should have been given that place back. I'm not quite sure, but he seemed a bit annoyed about it um, in the post-race interviews. And I was like, well, when you've got Lawson putting the car as he is in those positions on track, why would you? He's doing everything that Yuki would be doing. Like, why would we be swapping them back? The funny thing about those two is that they were only really racing the Alpines. Like, they, if you look mm. at the rest of the track and everyone around them, they're only really racing the, Alpine, the Alpines. They were faster, and so they just raced each other. You know, that's yeah. kind of they, they needed a race, <laughs> so I'll take on my teammate. Um, there's something you got to be careful of, though, and I think it, it is interesting because I was like, they're not the only team who are going to have a interesting battle over the next couple of races. But I think he has, he really has. I know everyone's going on about it. 
but he has shown real potential. And that's exciting. That's exciting to know that we've got a driver who's there ready for his opportunity in a Red Bull or an AlphaTauri, however it plays out, who we know should be able to come in and and be pretty hot as he gets going. That's exciting to know. So looking forward to seeing what happens there. Does this say anything about Nick DeVries? Sure, absolutely. I think it also says a lot about Yuki though. I think both of them. You know, you kind of gone, Yuki was we all said was out driving that car because of how poorly um, Nick DeVries was doing. But then at the same time, now he's, you know, you've got um, what they're one place apart, 11th and 12th. So I think it says as much about Yuki as it did about Nick DeVries. Interestingly, one race for Williams, DeVries gets a seat. Three races for AlphaTauri performs really well, does not get a seat. Helmet Marco just Savage. spinning a wheel, I think, and just going, well, see what happens, unless everything happens like I said it would at the beginning of the podcast. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Alpine. Uh, Gasly qualified in 12th, finished in 10th. Ocon qualified in 14th, finished in 9th. Uh, so he had a better outing, I think, than Gasly. But again, Alpine's just really in no man's land, Campy. Yeah, what can I say? Two greatest drivers on the grid, greatest nationality <laughs> too. Uh, yeah. Got a French car with French drivers. It's just it's a recipe for success right there. World championships incoming. Uh, (laughs) Whatever. I do not care about Alpine. I do not care about either of these drivers. (laughs) And their results for me, I mean, Ocon got a podium this year, as did Gasly. They were both arsy and fluky, but it's good for the organisation. Otmar's left that team. He's the only guy I liked in that team, hence why I supported them a little bit because of him. And now he's gone. I just don't know what to say about this team. I don't know much this morning. I know I've said that, but we are six races from the end. <laughs> Max Verstappen. Do you know much ever? Or is it just no, but well, sorry. <laughs> Max Verstappen's wrapped up this championship with six rounds to go, which is mm. astronomical. Uh, no team has challenged them at all this weekend except for one little old race in Singapore. And uh, I'm just getting frustrated with these backmarkers organisations because they're not contributing much to the sport, unlike Max Verstappen is has been this year. And Alpine's one of them. They just annoy me that team. They're French, so yeah. Okay, Freya. <laughs> Look, I think they would be glad to have them both finish. So to mm. have both of them points. in the points. Great. That's just a bonus point, quite literally. Gasly was pretty unhappy about swapping positions uh, back in that last lap. So we add another team to the myriad of issues that we're going to see next year with infighting, I think. Um, And look, I think the idea was to let him have a crack at eighth, but he couldn't get it done in the laps that they had left. And so they said, all right, then go back to where you were, (laughs) which of course he's not going to like. And look, Ocon had like that damage in turn one and tried to adapt, but it's pretty tough after that. So he couldn't really do do much um, from there, I don't think. But uh, I do, they, they, are, they are in no man's land at the moment. They are lacking leadership, I think. They're lacking structure. I think they're lacking clarity in terms of where they both sit as drivers. And I think in situations like that, that's actually not a terrible call by Alpine in terms of going, okay, we'll let you through, you have a go, but if you can't get it done, you're going back. I don't think that's necessarily unfair. It's going to be very situational and kind of specific to what's going on in each race. But I don't mind them having a go at that and Gasly was just a bit bit sour. But, uh, yeah, an interesting time ahead, I think, for Alpine. We're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be back very shortly. 
Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAIC preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWHVACTRAININGSC.COM to inquire. We're back. Let's talk about Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso qualified in 10th, finished in 8th. Stroll qualified in 17th, didn't finish. Campy, this is the first time this season where Alonso has been frustrated on the radio, which is not really surprising because the car, I think, should have been a lot faster this weekend. It wasn't there. And clearly all of the scenarios that they ran pre this race start didn't come to fruition. He found himself having to fight too often and use up his tires in ways that he wasn't too happy about. Yeah, interesting interesting time. I mean, they, I think Fernando, the longer this year's gone on, is getting more and more frustrated with the car and the organisation. Considering when they started, I mean, came out, Fernando was on the podium, what, four times out of five in the first five races. So excellent start. They have just tapered off now. I don't think they've got the infrastructure back at home to put the upgrades on cars that – that are like with the likes of the McLaren, the Mercedes, and the Red Bull to upgrade these machines. But frustrating race for Fernando. Stroll, well, if you're going to employ that guy as your driver, you need to expect these results and these things happening. That is, I am so past even trying to mount a little case for Stroll anymore. I'm, I'm done with it. He's. He's cooked. So if you're going to employ him, well, put up with all the BS that comes with it and don't whinge about it, don't complain about it. I don't want to hear it. As for Alonso, yeah, I want to see him win. I want to see him do well. We, we know he's still capable. We know, st- we know that he hasn't lost any ability in the last couple of years that he had off. It's just everything looked good for him at the start of this year and it's tapering off. So I think <clears throat> depending on which car Aston Martin tried, chooses to copy next year, which will probably be the Red Bull. They'll probably come <laughs> out of the uh come out of the block firing again next year, but they might just taper off. So they've got some work to do as an organization, but they're doing all the right things off track in order to get that on track results. So Freya, Aston Martin are fourth in the constructors championship. They have two hundred and twenty one points. Fernando Alonso has hundred and seventy four of those points, which is uh clearly very one sided. Uh, Mercedes are second, Ferrari a third on 285. So it kind of seems now it's definitely out of Aston Martin's reach. Uh, as Campy said, hard to mount a case considering where they were at the beginning of the season and points mean prizes. And they could have done with coming second at least or third, getting all that prize money, which we talk about at the end of each year, uh, to help develop the car along. Campy is Sorry, as Campy said, yes. I mean, they copied Red Bull at the beginning of this year or went down that design philosophy. McLaren have since done that and are doing it better. So they really need to do it better again for next season and totally support Fernando in every single way possible if he's going to be the lead and only driver carrying that team. (laughs) His back and shoulders must be getting sore by carrying this team. (laughs) The thing is that, like, after Stroll um, DNF'd, I felt like I could hear Alonso being like, okay, fine. I'll do it then. Like he, 
actually had great pace, but having to pit so mm. early made it really hard work for him. The thing which actually unimpressed me the most this weekend. So, okay, so last week we talked about Aston Martin and I tried to take a really data-driven, objective approach because people keep being at me saying, why don't you like Lance Stroll? So I went out with data last weekend, James. This week mm. I'm not going out with data. The thing which Emotion. really unimpressed me about him was his presentation in the media pen afterwards. If I was a sponsor right now, I would be insisting that he is dropped because of the impact that he's having on the brand. He, you know, the, the reporter said to him, you know, what happened out there? He's like, rear wing. Oh, okay. So, so what happened with that? Like fell off. Okay. And, and what do you think <laughs> might have been possible if you had a bit more time to race? Maybe a couple of points. But just giving her absolutely nothing. And the thing is, I just go, do you know what? There's plenty of other drivers out there who have yeah. got frustrating situations that they're dealing with. Think about someone like Ocon. I don't really feel much about Ocon whatsoever, but he still goes out there and says, this is what happened. This was really good. This is something we need to work on. This is what we'll unpack as a team and what we'll learn from. And he, he pulls out the lines and I was like, I couldn't give a crap about Ocon. But he goes out there and I think he shows some respect for the person who's speaking to him, respect for his team and the opportunity that he has. So when you combine <laughs> the data and his own behaviour, like Campy, there is just, there's no case left. And I really feel for Alonso for carrying his entire team. We have said this <laughs> time and time again, all season long. Uh, it is, it's almost now just disrespectful to the team and to the fans and to everyone involved in this sport uh, if you're going to show attitude like that. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the visor. He's still a human being, of course, so we don't want sure. to attack him personally. But seriously, mate, step up to the mark if you're going to be a driver. I've said this time and time again. It, all 20 of these drivers are leaders. He is not showing that at all. Um, Felipe Dragovic must be just livid every weekend watching that seat that he could be in not performing in the way that he should be performing, Campy. Yeah, but how does Felipe handle that? He can't. He can't exactly mouth off to the boss of the team because the boss of the team's going, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's my son. He's not going anywhere. You're an idiot, mate. This is a family <laughs> business, and blah blah blah." So, yeah, sounds well, just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it is what it is. Felipe, keep doing your thing, mate. You will get your chance at some stage, whether it's a test you'll get, you know, as the reserve driver, you hopefully breaks his wrist or something or and you get a spot. You'll get some testing and some we days in there. Just, you know, unfortunately, this kid's been entrenched in the sport for, what, five or six years now and he, he's probably good enough to get into a testing simulation and do everything that the team wants them to do and do it well and exceeding expectations. It's just the race craft and the qualifying that he sucks at, which is the whole reason you get a job. Anyway, he will, he'll get his chance. Just <laughs> suck it up. Suck it up, good well, attitude. <laughs> yeah. Suck it up, good attitude. He will It'll eventually turn for this kid. Let's talk about Mercedes. Uh, George Russell in qualified at eighth, finished seventh. Hamilton qualified seventh, finished in fifth. Uh, the, here begins the whingy drivers uh, on teammates <laughs> conversation. 
which I just don't like. Uh, someone in the Discord said that all drivers do that. Not true. DR is a no. consummate professional. There are others who are consummate professionals against their teammates. Um, anyway, it, it just frustrates me. And uh, this is, it is very, well, I said to Campy when they were having a scrap, I was like, Toto Wolf is sitting at home because he wasn't there this weekend shouting at the television, Barcelona. Barcelona, Barcelona, <laughs> Barcelona, because this is what it seemed like Freya was going to go in that direction between these two. Oh, totally. Look, I really like it when they have different strategies for a weekend, especially like this where tyres are so important. I like it when they go out with different strategies because especially in this scenario with the constructors falling the way it is, that's going to give them their best opportunity to try and reduce how much they lose, how many points they lose to Ferrari in, in the constructors. And, of course, depending on who you're barracking for, that's going to mean that mean that you either can either win big or lose big because that's how tyre strategy <laughs> tends to go. It's kind of one or two that might work and then it really doesn't work. So some people are going to be happy and some people won't be, but because of the way those tyre strategies played out, we ended up with that Merck on Merck crime almost and <laughs> it's it's interesting because the problem that they have now is that they are fighting Ferrari for that place in the constructors and so it would be really really silly for them to take each other out and just gift that position on a silver platter to the Ferrari team so look Russell luck of the draw on strategy but as it was Logan did his damage early on so there was no safety car later in the race um, as he was obviously hoping for. And I think it played out the way it did just, you know, just with, with tyres and the way they were they were evolving. But I completely agree, James, that you go, no, not everybody behaves like this and, and whinges right. about their teammates. And and sometimes I get we don't see every single radio call on the broadcast. Fine, I accept that. But even when you do look back of it and people who have various team apps and they send us what's going on, they might say it once. They'll just make a statement. They'll say, I feel like I've got more pace. And that's what DI yeah. has done on occasion. They'll say, I'm I'm managing here. I've got more pace. And they'll go copy. And then, you know, and it might be in a lap or two time and you've got to be patient. But that's about being a professional and knowing that the people in pit wall as well can see a lot more than you can. They don't know necessarily what the gaps are to the car, whoever is in front of you and that type of thing. So, I look, I think... Russell does need to grow up a little bit with with this stuff. Um, but I'd really like that they went out and they tried something different with the two drivers. What have you got to lose? The, there is a person whose job it is to find the spicy, spicy radio calls and, and put them up, and there is a reason why it seems to be the same couple of drivers and they yeah. all seem to be the, that top three British podium. Campy, uh, I was interested to with the defence of signs by these two Mercedes Um Russell was in front, was ordered to switch around. He complained. He was ordered, he's directed rather, to, to yeah. actually do it. So this is not a conversation, George. This is a direction. Get out of the way, um, which I quite enjoyed that level of putting their foot down. Um, do you think, though, it would have worked if to defend from signs if he kept Lewis in his DRS or if Lewis kept George in his DRS, even though they said because of what happened with Lando and Carlos Sainz in Singapore and figuring that out, Lewis said, that's not going to work, and just buggered off into the distance and, and left George to Carlos. Do you think it could have worked if he'd given it a shot? Uh, I, I don't think Suzuka and Singapore are comparable in the way that you could manage the race speeds like that. We saw when George yeah. Russell did, uh, got passed by signs, he just didn't have any grip on the tyres to accelerate and get your torque 
back onto the ground. So I think he was done anyway. For Lewis, I think he was frustrated because he genuinely thought that Signs could have overtaken him if he didn't, if he wasn't let past George Russell. So, uh, look, I understand. I, I, I like the way George attacked the race and and circumstances dictated that he needed to take the strategy he did. And he committed and he went for it. Obviously, it didn't work out. You know, he's probably seven or eight laps too short on this uh for the strategy to work, but that's that's okay. I don't mind it. As for the whinging, well, you just – they're poms, mate. That's what they do. They just whinge. <laughs> so <laughs> particularly the poms that were the best two years ago. Who the Brits? Oh, the summary. Brits. Who else can we offend in this <laughs> episode? Oh, let's go. It's uh, all right. I've got my – oh, nah, they're, no, look, can... they're all right. We're a bit, they're a bit of healthy <laughs> between us and the poms. Allegedly, I'll tell you what, just say allegedly everything's I'll tell you what, with, with the French, it is personal. It is personal. They give up <laughs> way too easy, that mob. So, uh, uh, but with the Poms, we're all right. We're, we're family, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about Ferrari and the best hair in the business. Um, Freya, I agree with you. You were on the Discord and you said, hey, everyone, go to Carlos Sainz's Instagram stories to see <laughs> Carlos Sainz Sr. in Suzuka, even though he wasn't physically there. Uh, it is just, it is shocking how much of a carbon copy Carlos Sainz Jr. is to Carlos Sainz Sr. And by all accounts, they are both really awesome, lovely people, happy to do content, happy to talk to the media. When they get frustrated and sad, they're still consummate professionals. And I love that next generation seeing that he is a leader just like El Matador himself. That was just, that's up there with my favourite content of the week. I know we had <laughs> Red Bull drivers driving through like blocks and all sorts of things, whatever. Yes, great, great, excellent. Yep. But that was my absolute favourite. And the thing which got me about it was Science's reaction because he was almost a bit shocked. So he turns <laughs> yeah. this ageing. So if anyone hasn't seen it, he's on TikTok. He's got this ageing filter on. So it shows you what you're going to look like in what, like 40 years' time. And he, he opens it and he always looks a bit shocked. He goes, I'm my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I am my dad. It is me. Like I am Carlos Sainz Senior. And then, of course, his dad jumps in. He's like, sure about that? It was just excellent. <laughs> the whole thing was just excellent. But it was his moment of pause and then shock as to how similar he looked to his dad. And for goodness sake, if you can see what you're going to look like in, you know, 30 years' time and it's that good, I'd be happy as well. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But look, signs this weekend, he had that lovely overtake of Alonso and then Ocon. That was a great few minutes there. Look, I don't think anyone expected them to kind of have a repeat of Singapore, a totally different track. We knew that Red Bull would figure out their shit for this weekend. Um, and look, it, they left him out for a couple of laps too late for a, a second stop yeah. to be able to make that final move that he really needed to with the Mercedes. Um, and of course, Hamilton got the undercut and he, he couldn't make his his way back after that. But he did at least catch George, um, which was good. And so look, I think all in all for them, probably or for, for Signs and potentially Leclerc as well, um, they did a pretty good, it was a pretty good weekend all in all. Campy, the uh, CEO of Ferrari, was there again. Um, so I think he was like, well, it worked really well the last time I was at a Grand Prix. Yeah. I'll come along again and see if we win. Uh, but I don't think they should be upset by that because, again, this is a this is a car that doesn't necessarily work as well as a Red Bull at a circuit like this. So to take fourth and sixth, good haul of points 
Again, you know, from a constructor's point of view, they're third, 285 points, 20 points behind Mercedes, totally in the fight now for second with six rounds to go. Yeah, I think wins help too in that in that in that deficit, because the reality is the normal amount of points they are fighting for against Mercedes are uh, are a bit smaller. So, uh, yeah, they struggled this weekend, but it's a great result for the team. I, I'm really stoked with the way Science has been driving, particularly over the last five or six Grand Prix. I mean, Leclerc bounced back this weekend and got you know, albeit by a small margin in qualifying. I think that was good for. Leclerc, just for his own confidence, because he's been spanked for the last what, four Grand Prix. So um, that's okay. Organisation, good good result for them. Do I think they'll get second in the championship? No, I don't think they do. I just don't think there's enough points and differences mm-hmm. in points between them and Mercedes where they can make up that gap in six races. Anything could happen, but I just can't see it. I still think Mercedes have an all-round better car. The Ferrari's good in extremes, but it's not good. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes... Well done, Charles Leclerc, by the way, for qualifying fourth and finishing fourth. We hardly saw you on the broadcast because of everything else Mm. going around. But, uh, yeah, really solid drive this weekend for you, Charles. Uh, Let's talk about McLaren. Oscar Piastri qualified in second, front row. Yes, well done, Profit. Um, Norris qualified in third. Piastri finished in third, Norris qualified in second. Happy Zach Brown, happy McLaren, happy Woking, not totally happy Australians because where's the shoey? Oscar, do a shoey. <laughs> but fantastic result. Fantastic result, Freya, for rookie on the podium, first time ever racing in Japan, you know, absolutely smashed it. His race pace, as he said afterwards, probably not the best he's ever had. His qualifying was phenomenal. Uh, he's Again, he's in his rookie season, so you can forgive him the race pace stuff. He's learning. What a trophy to have as your first, though, for Formula One. Ooh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. celebration. <laughs> That was just the greatest thing. Do you know what, though? That's why he can't do a shoey because he's not Daniel Ricciardo and he doesn't need to be. He's not the same character. Yeah, you're right. And as long as he continues to be just whelmed in his responses, (laughs) that's him being his genuine self and I love it. Like we're going to get some great facial reactions. We're going to get some quick wit here and there, but he's not going to be that larger than life person and, and and nor should he be that that wouldn't be him being um being authentic but what a weekend you know to get a podium and off the back of a really strong qualifying as well um in your first season that is just box ticked quite frankly like obviously he's going to want to finish the season really strong and they should by all accounts with how they've managed to develop the car and continue to develop the car um I think he can. He will look back on this season and just say what an epic start that was. And he's look. He's still got things to work on. His starts are one of them. Um, that is, I think, a moment that we're seeing a bit of um, ex- lack of experience there potentially in how he's his off a reaction off the line, but then also going into turn one and things like that. All the experience he can get through every single one of these races is just going to get better and better and better. And I, but I think it just shows when he's got the car under him, he can do really great things. Just absolutely stoked. Um, and for once, for once, 
we had the virtual safety car at the right time. Not quite the big dramatic benefit that we were hoping for, but still some extra gains that he benefited from, which was great, and obviously came out ahead of, of Norris. So stoked for Piastri, stoked for Nicole Piastri as well, who is my other hero <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you should go and do that. It is is great content. Uh, look, McLaren will be stoked, Campy. This, to come where they came from the beginning of this year with a dog of a car, right at the very back, to, to work it out, all credit to McLaren. Uh, Norris is a great driver. He really is. He, he The way that he got off the mark, incredibly impressive. As he said in the post-race, I'm going to claim that I was leading for at least a second going in, you know, to the, the approach into turn one. It was a shame for Oscar because he was covered off immediately by Max, so yeah. Lando just had total clean air to do whatever he needed to do. But again, for McLaren Campy, this is this is great, and we want to see this progression forward. Not the the false progression like we saw in 2019 when Ferrari had their agreement with the FIA after all of the engine power unit things. That was almost like a false positive. This is a real positive, and you know, credit to the team. Absolutely, I'm still frustrated that they let that uh, Oscar let Lando pass. And I mean, his pace, all considering, I, I kind of get it. But he let him past, and the reason they let him pass because they thought they were going to be pressure under pressure from George Russell at the end of the race. I mean, give me a break, dude. It's just the biggest. They clearly knew that George Russell was going to fail. <laughs> this is just Zach Rand hating on Oscar and saying, or hating on Australia, really, and saying, oh, look, you'll, you'll get to have your ice cream at some stage. It's just not now. I'll decide when it happens. So, uh, anyway, look, great for Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Great for Oscar. I was super stoked. Mate, this kid is just turning this kid is turning into a level of driver that come is a very rare talent, comes around almost generationally and uh, it's it's great to see. Uh, he lost about nine eight eight to nine seconds per stint on the hards compared to his teammate. And he will figure that out. He had some problems. What was the race mm. where he's uh, did really well when Norris ended up on the podium. I think he lost 35 seconds to Norris, his teammate. He That was the same tyre compound. It was the C5, the hardest compound. So he has struggled on it before, and I just think that's a setup thing, and he probably hasn't done a lot of kilometres on that tyre at the moment, hence why we're seeing that, that post differential over race pace. But one race, one lap pace, I, I really think that we're going to see Oscar finish this year really strong, but then come into next year and he's going to be – as good, if not better, than, than his teammate, and he will go on to take that number one seat. And it wouldn't surprise me if Lando tried to get out of his McLaren contract early to go somewhere else to uh, so so that he <laughs> is not shown up by this young kid and his reputation takes a dive. A bit like Seb Vettel taken off on Red Bull after 2014 because Danny Rick made him mediocre. So I think that's what will happen to Lando in the coming years. But, hey, both of them performed extremely well. I was very critical of McLaren early in the year. I think it said it had – I think I said that car had the aerodynamics of a fridge. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> geez, well, I've got that one wrong. So <laughs> I've got that one that wrong. Did, so good, good on them. Yeah. Red Bull, let's wrap this one up. Red Bull, Verstappen 1-1. That's uh, just no surprise to anyone, really. He, the qualifying lap by Max Verstappen was the biggest. Everyone, do not forget who is leading this championship this year, who the best driver is in this season. 
because uh, that was just mega in every way. Perez qualified fifth and then had a double DNF, which is quite an interesting <laughs> thing to do. Lots of people on Twitter going, this is Red Bull cheating. The FIA should have blocked them, blah, 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 who clearly don't understand Formula One, <laughs> which is fine. Let's break it down very simply. If there is an ability for a Formula One team to take advantage of a rule set or wording, they ask the FIA for clarification, the FIA come back and say, yes, you can technically do this, then the team will do it. That is Formula One racing so that any penalties may or may not be transferred over to the next round if they can't be served. Well, now that's just not a thing because the penalty has been served. Campy, I said to you, though, it was very bizarre to watch him coming back out. And uh, he was sat in the naughty corner for a while, sat in the car for a very long time before they sent him out. <laughs> yeah, I think I said to you on the couch, Jim, oh, it's just helmet Marco, you know, doesn't want to, oh, I don't want to listen to his shit today. Just put him back in the car. We'll get him out there. I don't want to listen to him. So, oh, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, look, what a, Max is an amazing driver. I think it's like last week he forgot how much he hated losing and uh, he finally lost one after <laughs> 10 races or whatever it was and thought, yep, didn't like that. This, that's exactly the uh, fire I needed in, in my belly to get going. So I think some of those laps right from lap two of practice one, he was the fastest and no one ever looked like beating him and I dare say he could have won that race by another 30 seconds if he really wanted to, but we know that Red Bull this year have have, have put the brakes on and managed very well when they're out front. So congrats to them. Yeah, Freya was very dominant, wasn't it? The funniest thing was Norris afterwards saying, oh, we're not close We're not close to Max, but we're not miles away either. I was like, really? Have you? Are we watching the same race? Like, <laughs> you are... Miles off, mate. I, like you're on another planet. Ridiculous. Oh my goodness. I. It's just astonishing. He's so dominant. He's, like you said, that qualifying lap was just incredible. But also Checo sitting in the car while they waited to find out if they could put him back out again just resulted in some of the best content on our Discord yeah. that I have seen. Just in terms of going like, oh, he's in the naughty corner. Someone else saying like, enjoy that seat while you've got it, mate. Someone else saying he's not getting out of the car because if he gets out, they won't put him back in again. Someone else said if he gets out, will we'll, um, will Daniel Ricciardo get in to send him back out again? Like that's literally his – it was just – just amazing content. I love that community so much. It's just, it's just brilliant. But um, yeah, what a weekend! And obviously, they've they've taken the constructors. But that's surely that's not how you want to win constructors championship, right? I mean, in a way, you don't care. You've won it. Okay, so great. But to have you know one of your teammates not finish the race at which you win it at, it's pretty hard to to celebrate with full force, I think. But Checo Perez, like what to do with you? It's just such a, again, it's tricky because I think obviously we all want DR to be in that car because we want to see what he can do with it for someone who has shown himself before to be so fast. Like you just, there's a few drivers who I think have such great potential and natural talent or developed talent over the years. You just want to see them in a really quick car to see what they can also do with it. Um, you know, how much of this is max, how much of it is the car and, and what, what else could other people achieve at the same time? It's not fun watching somebody fail, you know, seeing somebody have such a rough time. That's not enjoyable either. And that's why I don't make the comments about 
stroll lightly, for example. I think the challenge with some people here is that they're, they're their own worst enemy. And as you said, James, you've got some drivers who have really, really awful situations on track. You know, they've either been taken out of the D, like with a DNF early because somebody else has crashed in them, whatever else. But by the time they get in front of the media, they've pulled themselves together, they've had some water, they've reset, and they can be the professionals that they are. And that's, you know, why there's some, there's a fair comparison points there, but it is, so it's not nice to watch someone fail. And I think we can try and be as empathetic as we can, but much like Stroll, it's hard to look away now um, to know what's going to, to happen next. And once you take a downward spiral mentally, we saw it with DR and yeah. McLaren, it's very hard to pull yourself out. Uh, we really like Sergio Perez. We've said that a couple of times as well. Uh, I don't want him to see, I don't want to see him out of the sport. I don't. But when the deficit is this big, it is hard to, to not, look, it's hard to be a second Red Bull driver against Max Verstappen. Mm. DR struggled. He left. Seb struggled. He left. You know, there's plenty of people who are great drivers who have left the organization when the next quickest driver comes along. So fair enough too. All right, let's talk about drivers of the day. Freya, who is your driver of the day? Uh, the virtual safety car. That's yep. my driver of the day. Thank you. You did a great very job. Good. Perfect timing. Excellent mm. race. Thank you very much. Campy, who is your <laughs> driver of the day? Oscar. Yeah, me too. Just just a legend. Hard to not have an Australian driver of the day or a driver of the day supporting the Australian driver of the day <laughs> um, from the VSC. All right, let's go now to our fantasy team name competition. And... There's uh, some pretty pretty fantastic ones about bees in here as well, but let's uh, in first for the Japanese Grand Prix. Is this a hotel for bees? Is the name. <laughs> Two times Max Verstappen had Norris, Lawson, Sonoda, and three times Oscar Piastri with Red Bull and McLaren. I love the Oscar Piastri vibe. Well done to you. Second, Piastri till 26 and third, Ed Racing. And uh, here are the names that I f- found. Can't be this first on your love. 130, Ricardo. Ah, very good. Very good. Very good. Yep. That's <laughs> favourite. Hamilton's, uh, we didn't t- talk about this, but Hamilton's overtake at 130R just flat out. That oh. was um, incredibly impressive yeah, to watch. Nice. Was, uh, we were all like, we're oh, man, how good, definitely. to quote Campy, how good is this sport? <laughs> 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 also, there's still, a, there's still a hole in my couch where you punched it after uh, Oscar let Lando passed. Uh, <laughs> uh, Campy's B-knee, love that too. Nippon at Max Wheels. Uh, bring back white Red Bull. Yeah, the Honda special livery for Red Bull looked really great, didn't it? Uh, no alarm required tonight. No, that's very true. It was very odd to watch it in the daytime. Um, fantastic to do it, really, as well. I wear my sunglasses at night. Campy. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, saw that little video. Can I just say, Jim took uh, a photo of me and he please. asked me to put my glasses on while I was inside and my beanie because <laughs> both yeah. of them were off at the time. So, okay. You know. Jim, the content. Got to set up the content for the, for the fans. Um, the DNF All-Stars, <laughs> which I really enjoy because there's so many of them. Um, it's early in the UK. 
FFS that goes out to you, Freya. Oh yeah. dear. Oh no, that's such no, a shame. No. Uh, and my favourite <laughs> too for the last, the bees knees and the B sharps. Very, Excellent. very good. Very good. Very good. Hey, uh, massive thank you to you for listening. Uh, if you're part of our Discord server, we bloody love you. Thank you so much for being part of our community. If you want to join that community, you can find the link in the show notes or go to our website, lakesidedrive.com.au and click the button up the top that says community. If you'd like to support the show, you can either financially by joining our Patreon, which means you'll get ad-free content, which is always fun, um, or you can buy some merchandise if you want to wear some Lakeside Drive stuff. And... uh, Good news. Not that I'm going to promise them yet, but the hats are coming. I've paid for them. so <laughs> And I'm going to order them first to make sure they arrive before I put them on the website again, but they are coming back. So be prepared. There's 30 of them. So make sure you get in quick when they uh, drop. Um, and uh, coming up soon, Qatar, the return of Daniel Ricciardo. And of course, this time next week, we will be previewing the Qatar Grand Prix with these two wonderful people. Freya, a massive thank you to you. You're very welcome. Campy, thank you to you for not only being here, but also being here on time, but also coming to my house yesterday and leaving shit beer for me to drink later. <laughs> what did you leave? Anytime. How poor was your selection? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Australian-made <laughs> Budweiser. It's just, tell, tell me you know nothing about alcohol without telling me. Anyway, that's it for this episode. <laughs> See you again very soon for another episode of Lakeside Drive. <laughs>